to you, Parkview Church, in the name of our Lord Jesus. It is good to be together and greeting to you online. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are going to continue to worship Jesus as we open our Bibles to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, if you're newer to, you know, reading the Bible, it's more going to be in the middle of your, of your Bible, so kind of plop open the middle, and uh, Isaiah is close-ish to the Psalms. It's a tougher one to find, for sure, once you get in the middle there in the Old Testament, but I'll uh, give you some time to find that. We're in a series on Advent, as Pastor Doug just said. And in Advent, we do, we kind of basically move in two directions as Christians, okay? As Christians, in Advent season, we turn around and look back to the first coming of Jesus and the goodness and blessing of the salvation he brings, that he, um, uh, he brings his kingdom, he starts that kind of new creation kingdom that he establishes through his life and ministry and death and resurrection. And yet, right, we, we still live in a broken world and st- sin still affects us. And so while the penalty of sin has been dealt with in the first coming of Jesus, we await the eradication of the presence of sin in the second coming. So we are looking back, but then at the same time in Advent, we look forward. We look forward to the second coming of our Lord Jesus, where he comes and establishes this kingdom of grace and justice uh, fully and freely and finally once and for all time. And so that's what we're doing in, in Advent. And, and like Doug said, I mean, what, what better thing do we need as a church than to go through Advent together, a time of joy and longing for the Lord? I don't know about you, but personally, the recent news of the, the soon departure of, of John and, uh, and Pastor Josh, well, it's, it's difficult. It, at times, I've, I've felt discouraged the past uh, while, uh, just in terms of all the complications going on at Parkview Church, but this one kind of feels like another gut punch, you know, and, and it can be discouraging. We love these men. We celebrate these men. Uh, both of these pastors are men of integrity that love the gospel, and we, and we kind of cheer them on as they're going to their next season of ministry, and yet it's, it's hard for us, and we can mourn, and it can be sad. And, and if we're honest, our anxieties, our discouragements with news like this can only be compounded when we just think of the fact that we're living in a pandemic right now and all the complicating factors that has meant for many of us. One pastor on staff recently said that psychologists and sociologists are are. are uh, coining a new phrase called COVID-20, uh, which is not the continuation of the pandemic per se, but the effects of COVID-19 on our psychological health as a whole uh, society. And we've already probably heard the increase, the radical increase of depression and anxiety, especially among the young people. And one of the things as a pastor I'm concerned about right now is the amount of time our young people are using uh, screens digital screens. If you're a parent, you know what this is like, right? Online school learning. I talk to students, most of the time they say they average about six to eight hours on screens. And then when they're done watching screens for classes, they then go watch YouTube videos and play video games on screens. And so it's nothing to, to shame them at all. It's just the reality of life right now is we're on screens, we're disconnected from each other, and that can cause significant anxiety and discouragement. And it's not only just COVID, even if we remove COVID, many of us enter this Advent season and we feel discouraged. Uh, We feel like Isaiah 35 verse 3, it says that those that have weak hands, meaning those who just feel helpless, they can't really hold on to things. Or those who have feeble knees, some of us right now, we, we feel like we can't stand up, we can't keep moving forward. There's not a lot of hope in our lives. It talks about those in, in verse uh, 3 and 4, of those of anxious hearts. 
fear, confusion. And, and so here's what's so amazing. The Lord loves us so much, exactly what Pastor Doug said, and in his goodness and mercy, he knew that we were going to walk into the green pastures and calm and still waters of Isaiah 35 this morning. I mean, this passage is like walking up to Mount Everest with all of its beauty and awesomeness and wonder. Um, what we need right now, right, is not some nice phrases that boost our spirits. What we need is the indestructible joy of Jesus Christ. And that's what Isaiah 35 is all about. We don't need a pep talk of niceties from a coworker through text message. What we need right now, as a church, is a friend. A friend who would kind of come over to your apartment, and when they walk in the apartment, clothes are everywhere. You just were done having a cry session because your life feels out of order, and the Christmas turkey just got burned, okay? That's kind of the situation we're entering into. And yet, this friend comes beside you and uh, puts his arm around you and just says, it's going to be okay. Uh, there's joy in Jesus. Okay, let, let, let's, let's work through this together. That's what Isaiah 35 is. It, it's, it's, a, it's a passage of encouragement for God's people. Isaiah 35 is written to a time with God's people. They felt discouraged. They have anxiety. They have these surrounding nations that are, are, that are evil and that are oppressing them, and, and they are tempted to just kind of fall down in their discouragement. And yet, the Lord, in the midst of that, uh, speaks to them, Isaiah 35, and through this now, he, he speaks to us today, Parkview. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read Isaiah 35 out loud, and we're all going to listen intently to what the Lord has to say to us, and then we're going to work through this, all right? So Isaiah 35, hear now the word of the Lord for us here at Parkview Church. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. So strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, burning sand shall become a pool, thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. It is true, and it's given to us in love. If you are willing, please pray with me. Father, what an amazing, amazing passage. There's too much here for us to explore on one Sunday. 
but I pray from the power of your Holy Spirit, you might just give us understanding to the joy and the fullness and the power and and the home and, and, and the fellowship that we have with you in the midst of our anxieties and discouragements and and how feeble we feel and the weaknesses of our lives and the anxieties of our hearts that you would come through Isaiah 35 Lord Jesus you would come and give us a major hug of comfort and joy This is what we need desperately, and so we ask for your Spirit's power. Lord, help me be a faithful servant to your word, to these people that you love and that I love. We ask that you would exalt Jesus Christ into our hearts through this text. Amen. I was thinking back recently about some Christmas gifts I received over the years. Seventh grade, it was the Xbox, okay, the first edition of the giant black box, the Xbox. Uh, Ninth grade, it was really cool headphones for my iPod. Yes, iPod, not iPhone. There used to be a thing called an iPod for those of you who are younger. Uh, Then recently, it's, I just get books now. That's all I want, so I just get books, okay? But there was one gift in particular, a special gift. It was a gift handmade specifically for me with with my name on it. It was one gift. This is what's so cool about it. So great. One gift, but had multiple blessings, okay? Multiple cool things about it. One gift, but had kind of multiple awesome things going on. And it was a tool belt for my grandfather, okay? The tool belt, he made it. There was a hook for pliers. There was a hole for the hammer. Uh, There was a place for the wrench, for the tape measure, you know, around the tool belt. And as a little kid, I just loved this gift. I loved the gift that I could do so much with just one thing, with just one gift. And also, it was special. It was unique. It was given specifically and made specifically for me by my grandfather, And I think that kind of gets at what Isaiah 35 is trying to tell us about salvation that we have from the Lord Jesus. It's one incredible gift that he gives to us. His saving mercy in our lives, in the midst of our weakness and sin and sorrow, he invades that place of emptiness and he fills us. That place of weakness, he gives us his power. It's one thing that he does, his salvation, and yet there's there's multiple blessings to it. And that's what's so amazing about Christianity. If you're here and you're still exploring and wondering if Christianity is true or not, I'm glad that you're here. This is a great text to understand why we think Christianity is just so amazing. Because in Jesus, you get one gift, but it has endless, multiple blessings to it. And uh, it's just worth celebrating. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the salvation the Lord gives, okay? But, but, but specifically the multiple blessings. So let's look at blessing number one, verses one to two. It is a, a new focus, okay? Blessing one and two is, is a new focus in the new creation, okay? Now, wow, in a world afflicted with pandemic and violence, I mean, look at verses uh, uh, one to two. What could be more encouraging? The, the wilderness, the dry land, the place of emptiness and barren, it shall be glad. The desert, the place of, of death and decay, it shall rejoice and blossom. Look at verse two. It shall blossom abundantly, not just a little bit, but, but much abundant blessing and blossoming. And then the earth, but this is so fascinating, right? The earth shall rejoice with joy and sing. I mean, you see this if you look, read the, uh, the New Testament letter of Romans in chapter 8. It talks about how the, the earth is groaning for this, this new work the Lord's going to do, this new creation. In um, the Psalms, I'm going through a Psalm a day right now. 
I've been in Psalm 95, 96, 97, and it's amazing. You read it, and it's about the joy, not just that people have in the Lord, but that the creation has when the Lord comes to renew all things. The, the creation itself, in some mysterious way, will rejoice with singing and be glad at the coming of the King. The great Christmas hymn that we love singing, Joy to the World, right? The Lord has come that all the earth receives their king. The, the creation itself is longing and will rejoice in this blossoming abundance. And it continues in verse 2. The glory of Lebanon shall be given it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. That means mostly, probably nothing to most of us here. But Lebanon, Carmel, Sharon, those are places in, in the ancient context of just such deep beauty and, and richness and, and verdant uh, flourishing in terms of their, uh, their environment. And then finally, it leads to the, the place where they shall see the glory of the Lord himself shall be shining forth, the majesty of God, his weightiness, his abundance, his, his fullness. And then verse 6 and 7, if you drop down, it continues, right? Waters break forth in wilderness, streams in the desert, burning sand become a pool, thirsty ground springs of water, the haunt of jackals, again, this animal that's kind of about death and decay, uh, where they lie down instead of just it being trampled on in just kind of this dry, barren area. Instead, grass shall come, become reeds and rushes. And so this is what the, the promise is right away, the, the, the first part of joy, the first blessing of salvation that Jesus in his future coming will bring is a new creation. A, a new, an Iowa City kind of rinsed clean of the mess and the sin and, and filled with the fullness of the Lord. I mean, the whole creation groaning for this new creation. Do you know that the final state in which we enjoy, if those of us here are connected to Jesus by faith, is not some floaty thing up in the clouds near Mars or whatever, in some distant place where we just kind of flow and play harps, is actually a new creation. This whole world is going to be filled with the resplendent glory and beauty of the Lord. And that is our destination, and it brings such joy. Again, look at the verses. I mean, verse 1, shall be glad. Verse 2, shall rejoice. Verse 2, again, shall rejoice with joy and singing. I mean, it is kind of this and that and that. It's like a Sunday with like triple scoop with awesome, like awesome great chocolate sauce on top with a cherry on top. It's amazing just the fullness that you see in this passage. And that's what's so crucial for us right now. You see, again, what we talked about in verse 3, Isaiah's writing to people that are just, they feel weak and helpless and, and anxious, just like you and me. And what happens in our anxiety when we look at our lives, what happens is we oftentimes, don't you find this? When we live through a day, our minds are constantly usually reflecting and meditating on and thinking about the problems in our lives, the emptiness of our lives, what we lack in our lives, what's not good enough in our lives, that we wish this was different in our lives, that, that, that this is a problem that keeps bothering me, and this is an issue, and this is a struggle, and this is a concern, and it's, it's kind of the dryness and the desert, and the, that's what we keep focusing. But, but the promise of Isaiah 35, what it does, is it gives us a new focus on a coming new creation which the glory of the Lord will come. This is so good for us because right now we live in a culture, a right, 24-hour news cycle with Twitter updates, and all the time it's normally about problems in the world, problems in our society, problems in our politics, problems in global scale and global issues. And it, we just keep focusing on what we lack, what's wrong, all of the struggle, all of the pain. And what Isaiah 35 does is it lifts our eyes to the Lord and His coming new creation kingdom where there is joy and gladness. 
For the Lord, who overflows with joy, will fill a world with joy. And this is good news. C.S. Lewis uh, said it like this in his great allegorical med- meditation on heaven. It's one of my favorite books, The Great Divorce. I wonder if some of you have read it. There's a scene where uh, one of the characters talking to another character, just reflecting on the nature of this new creation kingdom that Isaiah 35 is talking about. And Lewis says this, so We cannot, in our present state, understand eternity right? In the midst of our problems, we, it, we can't quite grasp what's, what's going on. It, it, we often misunderstand it. We say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for this, right? You think of your suffering, you think of your problem, you think of your, your pain right now, the thing that throughout the day, right, that kind of constantly has your attention, the thing that's wrong. There's nothing that can make up for this this disaster in my life, okay? And then Lewis finishes saying this. We typically think, right, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, new creation heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. So the promise of Jesus Christ is that the problem in your life right now, The weakness in your life right now, the lack that you have in your life right now, the thing that throughout the day you think, if I didn't have this, if this thing was removed, my life would be better. The promise of Jesus actually is even that thing will, through the mercy of Jesus Christ in the new creation, it will turn out for a blessing in your life. It will turn out for joy in your life. It actually what Lewis is saying, meditating on heaven, it will work backwards. Right now you think it's working forwards of creating more problems and more pain in the new creation promised joy of Isaiah 35 that we see. It will work backwards and just dump mega blessing upon blessing on your life. That is amazing. And so what agony, Parkview, right now are you bringing into this room or as you sit there online? What, what, what is the agony that you are thinking about throughout your day? What's that thing that you always focus on in your sadness spiral? You know what I'm talking about, right? You start thinking about it and then you get scourged and you think about it more because you're discouraged about it, which then leads to more thinking about it. That agony, do you know, Parkview, the promise of Isaiah 35, what Jesus Christ is saying to you right now is that in his compassionate love, he is so committed to turning that agony into a glory. That is the promise of new creation, and it is the thing that we must focus on. It's the new focus blessing of salvation. That's, that's just the first blessing. We are just getting started here. Okay, blessing number two. Blessing number two we see in verse five. It's new life. It's new life, power for our weakness, okay? Another problem that we have when we feel discouraged and anxious is, is we oftentimes uh, think our weaknesses in our life, they're, they're setbacks to God's work and blessing. But instead, Jesus, right now from Isaiah 35, is about to say, about to prove to you, your weakness is the pathway of power and life, okay? Look at, notice verse 5 and 6, how each suffering, each broken place is, is reversed. Verse 5, the eyes of the blind are open. Okay, verse 5 again. The ears of the deaf, they are unstopped. Verse 6, the lame man will leap. The mute man will sing for joy. Okay? Eyes, blind, open. Deaf, unstopped. Lame, leaping. Mute, singing for joy. These are all pictures of God pouring new life, new power, therefore new purpose into the very things that our world disregards as weakless, helpless, 
and not worth much at all. And this, friends, this is the ministry of Jesus Christ. This is the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew 11, it's also, I think, in Luke 7, Jesus is starting to heal people. And there's a man named John the Baptist who, you know, is the one called by God to kind of make a, a straight way for the, for the Lord to come, Jesus to come in his, in his new ministry. And John the Baptist is hearing about all the stuff that Jesus is doing, and he starts wondering, is this the promised Messiah that was to come? That Jesus, that in the Old Testament, passages like Isaiah 35 and elsewhere talks about this coming person who would come and bring this new creation and healing would happen. Is this who Jesus is? Is it that Old Testament figure I've been wondering about? And Jesus uh, tells John, uh, tells his disciples to tell John, he, sa- he quotes Isaiah 35 basically uh, verbatim. He says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear. So the ministry of Jesus is one that brings new life, his power in our deepest areas of weakness, transforming people. Now the first thing to say is, yes, Jesus does and can heal people today. But, but the ultimate thing that his healings in his earthly ministry were pointing to is that coming new creation, is that Isaiah 35 future promise in which not only is the whole of creation transformed, but so also are our personal lives transformed. Even our bodies, right? The great Apostles' Creed talks about how we as a church, we always confess and believe. We believe in the resurrection of the body in which the eyes of the blind are opened and the deaf unstopped and the, and the, the lame leap for joy and the mute sing. And I mean, right now, isn't this such comfort right now? Some of us, our bodies have not been working right for like 17 years. And chronic pain and suffering brings such anxiety and discouragement to us. But the promise of the Lord Jesus through Isaiah 35, friends, is that there is a coming a day in which even that will be transformed. But also, but also in the New Testament, what's really fascinating is this. Yes, Jesus does heal, and his uh, physical healings and his ministry are pointing to the greater healing to come, but it also is a sign of the deeper spiritual healing that Jesus gives. Reflecting on, uh, on the ministry of Jesus, and especially his resurrection, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 6, just as Christ was raised from the dead by glory, raised from the dead with a real body, Jesus Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life right now. So physical resurrection of Jesus is a sign pointing to the deeper spiritual renewal that we can experience right now that we look forward to then physically in the new creation. Now, why is all this important? Where am I getting? What I'm getting at is this, okay? You and I, we all have weaknesses. We all have areas of our lives where we think, if I did not have this in my life, you know, I would have a greater blessing from God. I would have a greater fullness. I would greater, have greater empowering from the Lord. I have a greater usefulness. But, but the way of Jesus is to bring resurrection through crucifixion, to bring resurrection to crucifixion. The blind receive sight, deaf, hearing, feeble, walking. This is the promise talked about in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul is, is struggling. He's praying, Lord, I've been at this weakness, and I've been praying for three times, probably meaning he prayed a bunch about it. Lord, take this away from me. Make it leave. The promise of Jesus to Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. The power of Christ may rest upon me. This is how the Lord works, Parkview Church. And this in the season of renewal as a church, as we kind of refocus on the Lord and refocus on his purposes for us as a church, we must remember 
that it's not past weakness the Lord works in our life, but in and through weakness. Isaiah 35 is showing these places, right? Blindness and lameness, and, but the Lord's power transforming those very areas. It's a promise for us right now as we await the new creation that spiritually this is what the Lord does for us. He loves, the Lord Jesus loves to take these places and make them into places of joyful singing, freedom, and power. The Lord's power, right? Right now, if we're just honest, our church, we just feel weak. And we just lost two great, pa- or we're losing two great pastors. But the Lord's power, the Lord's power is blessing upon us through us in our weakness. Okay, so blessing one. New, new focus, right? The new creation, the glory for agony. Blessing two, new life, power to transform us in our areas of deepest weakness. And blessing three, okay, right? One gift, okay? We're just, we're still talking about, this is what, this is Jesus' saving mercy in our lives. This is what it produces, these amazing blessings, okay? The third blessing is verses eight to ten, a new home, a new home. And one of the things that happens in the holidays, right, is many of us, we we go back home. Maybe that won't happen this year. We go home, and I think oftentimes we, we can feel homesick, and we have this idea. Ah, oh, I'm going to be home. It's a place of just rest and being known and being loved, right? Home. Mm. Uh, but if we're honest, oftentimes when we get home, <laughs> it's pretty disappointing. It's pretty disappointing. And we long for more. We thought it was going to be something. We get there, and it's not what it was. What we hoped it to be. And yet, what we hear, uh, see here in verses eight to ten, it, it, it's it's kind of designed that way. It's designed that way because this earth is not our home, and the fullness of joy that we long to experience can't be experienced right now. We can get little foretastes. Okay, the uh, uh, the server can come out and give the appetizer, and we get a little taster. And it, ah, oh, it's awesome. I can't wait for the full meal. But the full meal hasn't arrived yet, okay? We can watch a preview to the Marvel movie, but it hasn't been released yet until like three years from now because of COVID, okay? There's, there's, there's a little taste or a little something, but, but it's not the fullness. Because, because the Lord's promising that he will bring us to a new home. Look down at verse 8. The Lord provides a way of holiness leading to our new home. Verse 8 says, there's a highway shall be there. Literally, the image here is of God's people kind of making a journey. They're pilgrims in a weary land making a journey, and kind of from the ground rises this high way, okay, in the original, a highway. And it's called, on it, I don't know, it's this giant banner that says, the way of holiness. It shall be called the way of holiness, in which God's people, the way we travel in this world as we head to our home, it is the way of holiness. It is the way of, of obedient love to our Lord Jesus. It is the way of putting off the old life of sin, and death. It is about putting on the new life of love and purity and devotion to the Lord. It is a way of holiness, Parkview Church, as we head to our final destination of joy. It is a way of holiness. But notice first who's not on this way of holiness. Verse 8, the unclean, the unclean are not there. They should not pass over it. Even if they are fools, they should not go astray. It's actually probably better translated in other versions where it says the fools will not walk on it. So the unclean, the fools, is kind of a connected image of, of those who resist the loving counsel and cleansing of our Lord. They're not going to be on this, this highway of holiness. They will not make it home in the new creation if they, in this life, resist the Lord, which, which is a good warning that we have to reckon with, especially if you're here and you've not yet embraced Jesus. Not everyone gets to go to heaven when they die. That's not in the Bible anywhere. 
Heaven is going to be full of people who think they should have been in hell, but then they collapse in the arms of Jesus, and voila, they're going to be in heaven and think, oh my goodness, how kind of Jesus Christ to save me. That's what heaven's full of. But look, look at what else is not on this highway of holiness. Verse 9, no lion shall be there, no ravenous beast shall be even found there, meaning no more oppression or violence. But look who is on the, 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 uh, the highway heading to the presence of the Lord. Verse 9, the redeemed shall walk, walk there. Verse 10, the ransom shall come to Zion, to God's dwelling place with his people. Singing, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Gladness and joy shall be theirs, and sorrow and sighing shall, shall be gone forever. You see, Isaiah 35 tells us that our lives are fundamentally not heading towards tragedy, but towards triumph, not towards discouragement, but endless joy. We are going to arrive in the fairy tale ending where we will live happily ever after. And one moment after the next, we'll just be, fo- be filled with increasing joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but man, during COVID, haven't you had those times at their season where you're just, oh, man, sighing, no more, to never have to be sorrowful, to, to not feel the effects of, of suffering and discouraged, but, but no, the redeemed and the ransomed Lord shall return. He will bring us home. And that's what I want you to notice. Notice that those who are on the highway of holiness, those who make it home, are not those who figured out how to sneak on the highway of holiness, okay, in some clever way. No, it's, it's, it's the verse 9 and 10, the redeemed, the ransom. It is those, through a great costly payment, are restored into fellowship with God. And this is why Jesus is so wonderful. I mean, didn't you notice as we look through Isaiah 35, how the focus is on the Lord in verse 3, it's, it's the Lord's glory, in verse 4 and 5, it is, it is the, the, the Lord who will come and save. And then verse here, 8 and 10, it, it is the Lord who has redeemed his people from top to bottom. It is the Lord who brings about salvation. At no point in Isaiah 35 does it say we contribute anything or we do anything. It is the Lord's work. It is the Lord's joy. It is the Lord's happiness to rescue fallen sinful men and women, to bring them upon the highway of holiness, to fill them with his Holy Spirit, to empower them by his Spirit, to make it home, to persevere by his mercy and grace, and to finally, when all things are made new through the coming of our Lord Jesus, the second coming of our Lord Jesus, we finally make it into his presence where gladness and joy will be our prize and possession forever. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing, Parkview Church, the promise the Lord has given to us? Yet it is a promise, and we are still waiting. I'll finish with this. On Christmas Eve at my house, the gifts were already under a tree. Christmas Eve, okay? And uh, I like to think, you know, what would it have been been like if my older brother would have snuck to the living room with me, you know, come here, Wade, and grab one of the presents and uh, and then actually unwrapped it for me? and said, hey, wait, here, you know, here's the Xbox you're going to get. And then he rewrapped it and put it on the tree and said, you're going to get the Xbox, okay? Wade, what you wanted, Wade, it's, it's yours, okay? But it's Christmas Eve, uh, so just, you have to wait till tomorrow, Christmas Day, to actually unwrap it and enjoy it, okay? But, but you know what it is. It's your gift. It's all there, but you have to wait. You know, that night might be filled with agony. That night might be filled with just like, I sleepless and ah. But you know what? It's all worth it in the end. Because Christmas Day is coming. Because joy comes in the morning. 
Friend, Jesus Christ has come into this world in his first coming, and he's unwrapped the gifts for us, the gift of salvation. He said, hey, it's all yours. It's all yours. I've covered the cost. I paid it full in my blood. It's all yours. And yet, right, we get, we get a taste of we get we, we know what it is, and yet we, we do have to wait, don't we? It might be a long waiting. It might be a season of agony, a season of discouragement. But you know what? The Lord Jesus is coming back. Christmas Day is coming. Christmas Day is coming. And joy and gladness shall be ours. And so uh, Doug Fern's going to come up and, and flesh this out. But one thing I want you to notice at the very end is this. What does this mean for us as a church? It means this. Look down at verse 3 and 4. I skipped over it. But 3 and 4, in the midst of all of these promises of joy and gladness and new creation, power for, for our weakness and, and the joy of being in the Lord's presence, all of these promises, what does it say in verse 4? It's 3 and 4, it says, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, Behold, your God will come with justice and with salvation. And so what could it be like for us as a church that we identify who is it in our congregation right now? Who is it in your life? The, the, the weak, the feeble knees, they can't keep going. The, the, the weak hands, they feel like they don't have much to hold on to right now. That you come to that brother and sister with that anxious heart and you say, Behold, behold, brother and sister, your Lord will come. There are promises in Scripture. Hold on by faith to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were joy and gladness are yours that we become a church where it is normal activity for us to identify where we're at in terms of our weakness and our fear and our anxiety, but we become a church where we are saying to the anxious heart, behold, behold, your God will come. Christmas Day is coming. Look at Christmas Eve. You know the, you know the gift that's coming. But man, Christmas Day is coming. Hold on. Keep persevering. Strengthen the weak hands. Strengthen the feeble knees. Say to the anxious heart, behold, your God will come, and he will come with joy. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We pray that you would use this word Build it deeply into our hearts and make it fruitful for your kingdom and for our joy, our everlasting joy in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.